listening to The Current Daily, the official podcast of UC San Diego's IT Services Department. I'm your host, Miguel Rodriguez. Today is Monday, July 13th. It is week three of Summer Session 1, unbelievably. I hope everyone had a pleasant weekend and could find some relief from the sun. I gotta say, we put a new HVAC system in my home, and I couldn't be happier. Hallelujah. Anyway, so did you remember to do your daily COVID-19 symptom screening? All IT services staff in the San Diego region are encouraged to complete the symptom screening daily, even when telecommuting. We've got links to the relevant information to get you started posted on the homepage of The Current. I hope you enjoyed Friday's interview with Gino Benetti. The Problem Report office hours start this Friday, so mark those calendars. And, of course, we've got the details and Zoom link posted on the homepage of The Current. And now we'll welcome back to the pod, Stephen Lees. He's got news on an important ServiceNow update that takes effect this Thursday. And if that's not your cup of tea, or cuppa, as Stephen might say... You might be interested in the excruciatingly long, awkward silence that ensues from a misunderstanding about butter. And on that tasty note, enjoy. This is Mark Herzberger. I'm joined once again on the pod by Stephen Lees. He's our IT service management analyst. Stephen, welcome back to the pod. How are you? Hi, Mark. I am great. Thank you very much. It's good to be back on the pod. I'm really hoping that you're here to discuss the world-famous butter from your hometown. There's no butter from my hometown. What are you talking about? <laughs> I thought at the Christmas party you were telling me how great the butter was. Ah, now what you're talking about there is Malden sea salt. Malden sea salt is the product from the town where I'm from in the UK. And I noticed at the Christmas party that molden sea salt had been turned into molden butter. And um, very delicious it was too. Um, if you're a, a gourmet chef, then molden sea salt is the product for you, available at Whole Foods. All right. I will uh, check that out on to more serious matters. Not that uh, sea salt is, is not serious, but we're going to check in. Last time you're on the pod, uh, we had talked about that uh, sometime in mid-June, uh, we're going to make a change in service now so that the service offering field would be required. Change has not been in yet. Clearly, it, it's no longer June. So uh, you have a new date to announce and basically an, an update on where things stand, don't you? Yeah, so we progressed things well, but in the end, we were ready to go, but we decided that because of the FIS development required by the ServiceNow team, and then the launch of that, kind of a big deal for ITS and for our customers. We didn't want to overlap a tool and process change with those important activities. So we just pushed this out a couple of weeks, so we weren't um, clashing with that business deadline. What's the new date? The new day is the 16th of July. That is on Thursday, I believe. I know in the meantime, since we last spoke, you've done uh, some pretty hands-on work with the service desk staff in particular to you know, help them adapt to the change and make sure when they get tickets, they are inputting the service offering field. How's that going? I cannot speak highly enough for the service desk and the field support teams and their hard work to support this initiative. 
we started analyzing the tickets in ServiceNow and there was 15, 17% of tickets had the service offering attached and who knows who put that. Uh, and we work with the service desk. We've done a lot of training. They've given some great feedback and asked some difficult questions, which is very welcome. We've solved those problems, come up with answers. And we've moved now and running the reports now. We're getting 60% of tickets have got the offering. Okay. And so just to recap, the, the service desk, they're in a lot of cases where they're going to get a ticket and service offering is not noted. So they're going to have to use their own knowledge and ingenuity and intuition to select the best service offering in their judgment, right? Yeah, they're they're generating the tickets from scratch. So they're the service experts. They have this holistic view of everything we do. And they're making that call as to what is the most appropriate service offering to put on each case that they create. Okay, sounds good. With their dedicated work, we're up to 60% of tickets with the service offering noted. What about the other 40%? Yeah, so not all the tickets that are created in ServiceNow for ITS are generated by the service desk. Um, The other 40%, it kind of falls into two buckets. One is that tickets that are auto-generated from inbound emails. We call that email listeners. So certain email addresses are associated with certain assignment groups. The email sent and ServiceNow receives that email and generates a ticket from it and assigns it to the appropriate team. What's going to happen is when that team receives that ticket, the second they touch it, it will prompt them for the service offering and that team will have to decide what the service offering is. Now, that should be easy for them because they are the team that owns those service offerings. So based on the content of the ticket, they can make the decision about which offering it goes to. We can't automate that because there isn't a one-to-one relationship between email address and service offering. Some email addresses are, are covering various offerings. And uh, we don't want to have to educate our customers and create new email addresses and new processes. We'd rather take that work and do it behind the scenes so that we can keep things neat, tidy, and streamlined for our users. Are there other ways that tickets are created? uh, Yeah. The the last bucket is tickets that are generated by people who have agent rights in ServiceNow. So I need something from a colleague, I go into ServiceNow, I create a ticket from scratch, kind of like the service desk do, and I assign it to the appropriate team. Those people who do that are going to have to start figuring out what offering they want the ticket to be assigned to. They need to work with the the people supporting them to make sure they're doing it correctly. And uh, we've already reached out to a lot of those people individually. I've run reports, I've found out who's generating the tickets, and I've reached out to them. And I think that's why my stats have gone up from 50 to 60%. It's already seen some impact from that. So um, that's part of this message is to those people is you're going to have to put offering. So you're going to have to understand what offering it is you're requesting. Okay. Um, and it sounds like that means that the first tier support group associated with the offering is not automatically selected when the offering is chosen? Yeah, that's a good point. So right now, to get the ticket to the right place, you have to put the assignment group. And that's going to be the same in the future. It's just you'll have to put the offering as well. As a phase two of this, we're going to make a change in the tool that will automatically select the assignment group based on the default assignment group for the offering. 
Now, that's something that happens in ServiceNow for all users except ITS, and that's a change we're going to make soon. And this is an important message to service owners and service offering managers. Have a look at your service offerings in ServiceNow. Take a look at what the default first tier and second tier assignment groups are and make sure that's correct and and what you want. And if it's not, then reach out to SMO and we'll make those changes for you. All right. So as we wrap up, this sounds like maybe functionally and technically a relatively small change, but big impact down the line. Yeah, it's, it's kind of trivial. We're just making a field mandatory, but it's a big step forward for us in making the most of service now and reshaping and developing ourselves in ITS as a service orientated enterprise IT department. It's going to give us the accountability, the statistics and reports, and it it creates a foundation for lots and lots of other things that we want to do, like developing SLAs, developing documentation, uh, improving our metrics for things like major incidents and change. So it's it's an important step forward. It's it's a small thing, but it's a big deal in creating that foundation. All right. Appreciate you coming back, Stephen, and thank you for the update. You're welcome. And there you have it. Be ready for that change this Thursday. We've got some extra information posted on The Current, and I gotta say, for my group and my team, this change will affect us in quite a big way, but I do personally agree with Stephen that it is a change in the correct direction to make us, as he put it, a service-oriented IT services department. As we close, if you found the butter at the IT Services holiday party last December particularly delectable, it was enhanced with the aforementioned Malden Sea Salt. M-A-L-D-O-N, if you want to look it up for yourself. And the crack research team here at The Current Daily has done exactly that. True to Stephen's word, it does look as though Malden Sea Salt is available at Whole Foods, $6.99 for an 8.5-ounce tub. And if the Gormans using the Amazon Prime Now app are to be believed, you'll be in for a treat. It gets fully a 5-star rating across 4,519 reviews. In a nod to Bastille Day tomorrow, bon appétit. I sure hope you're enjoying this podcast. Remember to let your fellow IT services staff members know that this podcast exists. Get everyone to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you can get your podcasts. This podcast is a collaborative effort, and we want to hear from you. If you have any ideas for podcasts or topics, send them to me at its-podcast at ucsd.edu. That's it for today. Keep an ear out for the next episode of The Current Daily.